Well, hello and welcome to Show Me The Money, the podcast that looks at the business side of movies and TV with me, Jess Robinson, and the wonderful Stephen Follows. Stephen, uh, how are you and where are you, please, first of all? <laughs> I'm doing fine and you're asking that because you know where I am. I'm in Kathmandu, which I'm not normally. This is not my home office setup. Uh, <laughs> this was a, a last minute trip. And so doing the first episode of a podcast uh, from Kathmandu is much more exciting than it sounds. because So it's more glamorous. It's outrageous. Honestly, glamour is <laughs> not the word I'd use, but I'm also not complaining. Um, Okay, so I want to get straight to, uh, it's been in the news all week um, and it's still going on. There are loads of comedians still making jokes about it and it's been more than a week since Will Smith slapped Chris Rock at the Oscars. Um, But uh, it's, yeah, it still seems to be the biggest story in the movie world and, and, you know, my sort of comedy world and just everywhere. Everyone's talking about it. And what I want to know is... Um, we all know about the gossip, but have there financially, do you know, been any sort of knock-on effects? Well, yeah, it's, I think that's the really interesting part of it because obviously there's a human aspect to it and they're all humans involved and it's very sad mm-hmm. and there's also the gossipy bit. But putting all that to one side, there is a financial component to this. You know, he is a, a star, he gets paid, he, he's the, the cause of many other people being paid and making money. and things. So there is an economic side Are to it. Are we talking about Will or Chris? Well, both of them. I mean, I think Chris yeah. is, is simpler because I think he's the victim, but also because mm-hmm. he's a comedian. So anything bad happens to him, it's fodder. And he happens to have a tour that's just coming around, which I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I have friends who are, but I genuinely <laughs> think that this is not what they do for that. But he has a tour mm. that apparently has been selling hugely, um, even better than it was going to sell already. So I think that's pretty clear. He'll probably financially do relatively well out of it. Um not that that justifies anything, but you know, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not, you know, that's, I think that's the financial outcome. But for Will Smith, it's a lot more, you know, complicated because. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen there then? Well, I mean, movies are, the whole film industry is about perception and about what people are willing to do. Can you convince people to see the movie? How much can you convince someone to put into a budget? And, and here, how much can you agree to be paid as a salary? And so right. whether this adds or retract or, or detracts from his, brand and his value is is still mm. really up in the air but it's because you know like an, how much an actor is paid is just a negotiation between them or their people uh, yeah. and the studio you know the studio execs and so they can all agree any number or any calculation they want yeah and so the idea is it's based on power and and you know box office draw and so we don't yet know if this is going to mean that will smith is cancelled you know i mean i know it's not as bad as, as some of the other things i'm about to mention but you know there are people like kevin spacey and johnny depp yeah, and people right. like that who's you can imagine can charge far less now if yeah. anything. whereas there are bad boys in no no pun intended because of the film bad boys but there are <laughs> bad boys in hollywood who this would actually either add to their value or you know in ricky gervais is is rude incredibly rude to someone it, it doesn't detract from his value does it because it's part of his brand so it could draw people in and want to to want to see his movies more. Well, in yeah, theory, it could do because, it's, as I said, it's just whatever they agree with the studio. And so, but the the thing is that actors do two different things. They are like performers. They make you believe that that character on screen is real. They make you laugh and yeah. cry. That's what I call of the acting part. And then there's the star. 
there's the selling of the movie. There's the sort of being on the the couch with Jimmy Fallon and whatever, doing the <laughs> carpool karaoke. And so this doesn't making him a better or worse actor, but at his level, he's being paid to sell movies and get people in. And so if people still want to see him, I mean, Tom Cruise was, you know, often lambasted for being slightly bonkers on Oprah's sofa, and he's doing just fine and carries these franchises. Do you know if it affected, you know, Johnny Depp and that? I mean, it's a very different situation, but... Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, Johnny Depp, uh, he's, he got replaced in, in the um, Fantastic Beasts uh, films. And also, I think that... I mean, there Did are some. He? Of- yeah, well, he's yeah, his character's playing by Mads Mikkelsen. And um, so I think that this... But I think the other thing that's really hard to work out is that both Depp and, and Smith, they had peaks in the past in their career. And so they're still very well paid. But hmm. there was a time where Johnny Depp was, you know, just his face would bring in loads of people. The same with Will Smith. You know, in the, in the big days of sort of Bad Boys, he got... Bad Boys 2, he got 20 million Will Smith. And then... Men in Black 3, he got reportedly about 20 million again, plus wow. 80% of the, uh, sorry, plus he got about 80 million through his 10% of the box office gross. So oh he could have gosh. made $100 million right. tax, uh, yeah. for Men in Black 3. And so that might be one of his sort of high points. And he's been waning a bit since then. He's still mm-hmm. a big box office star. But whether he so whether Johnny Depp would still his name and face would get people into cinemas, I'm not so sure. Will Smith, I think, right now probably would, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also sometimes it's just the fame of it, you know, like it's it, Bright Two is going to come out on Netflix at some point, which Will Smith have reportedly got about thirty five million dollars, and I, I don't think that's going to harm it. I don't think people are going to stop watching his movies because of this incident. No. But also, there's a sneaky other thing as well, which is that yeah, a, a lot of this is like, in my, okay, this is my opinion now, but a lot of this is about perception. And so the studios say, oh, no, this is terrible. We're, we're reviewing a lot of these deals. And that's what they're mm-hmm. saying at the moment. Like, right. he's got Bad Boys 4 and Netflix has got one with him called Fast and Loose. And they're all temporarily on hold, deeply considering their options. Mm-hmm. And the truth is what they say to the press doesn't really matter. It might be a negotiation technique because if you're a studio boss about to agree a figure with Will Smith, maybe this is the week to, to suck your teeth in and say it's tricky. Um, but also, like these things, quite a lot of these deals, studios de- develop so many more films than they make, maybe 10 times more films. And so they must sometimes be stuck in a deal they don't want. And so they can't get out of it to save face and not piss off somebody. And so right. having an excuse, because... In 2007, there was a writer's strike and the studios used this to cancel hundreds of deals they had that they wanted to cancel anyway. And it could be right. argued that they saved hundreds of millions of dollars because they were like, well, we, we, we kind of have to. The way COVID has cleared house in a lot of areas, you know. Right. Uh, so I'm not, I actually, I've got no insight on this one. I'm not saying this is what's happened, but I would, it's certainly possible that some of these deals that have suddenly fallen through and you think, wow, that's such a big, harsh reaction. A, it might not be true. It might just be playing to the crowd and, you know, B, it might be a negotiating technique. And three, yeah. it might be that actually there's things we don't know. This, the script's bad. The yeah, studio no, thought it was too expensive. It's an opportunity to just get rid of something. Could be. And so, or it could be that all of, it just, these films pop up again in three months when it's more, you know, a healthier environment and they're, and it's all fine. We, we don't really know in the outside as outsiders. Mm. 
Mm. Oh, it'd be very, very cool to sort of revisit this in a few months or even a year or something and see what's happened and, and what effect it, it has had financially um, on uh, on Will Smith and, and what Chris Rock will go on to do. And we were talking about box offices. And um, so Cineworld, uh, I hear, has made a loss of more than 500 million pounds last year. What is that? <laughs> That's about two large That's, popcorns, I think. Is that? Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, my gosh. I went to the cinema the other day with my stepson. It was about £20 just for some popcorn and a drink and a Batman cup that he really And a wanted. treasured memory with, with you and your stepson that you'll never forget and a bonding I moment. Will never, I'll never forget the, <gasps> how much? <laughs> um, so is that is that just due to COVID? Yeah, I, I mean, say just. I mean, yeah, just. it was that was a, that massive I mean, pandemic. It's just thing. one pandemic, if that's how you how I want to. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. So, so yeah, they're a, they're a global chain, and I think they're the, yeah. the world's second largest chain. So they've got about. What's the biggest one? View. Well, they've got it's AMC because oh, this yeah. is this is global. So oh, this is oh, right, right, right. So they got like nine thousand screens all around the world. Um, oh. And in the UK, we've got Cineworld, Odeon, and View, and yeah. together they have about. 70% of all our screens. So it's like, the, there's when you think about the number of screens, there's a lot of independents, but most of them are run by these three studios, at uh, least three main companies. And Cineworld also own Picture House as well, which is their slightly, um, yeah, they bought in a long ago, fancy boutique oh, kind of. Because you do think you were giving it to some independent Honestly, artists. Yeah, oh. I'm always, I always feel so good when I go there. I feel like, yes, I'm, I'm yeah. Well, oh, Cineworld, no. they had an interesting problem with this. This is a side, this is an aside, but they had an interesting problem pre-pandemic where they, they, the Cineworld workers were uh, paid less than Picture House, but Picture House had been, staff had been paid slightly more. And when they, Cineworld bought Picture House, a lot of the Picture House staff went on strike saying, we want better conditions, we want more pay, more reliability. Mm. And Cineworld was saying, well, no, we won't do that. And they, obviously their concern was that they gave in on Picture House, the all of their staff elsewhere. I mean, I, mm. I'm not getting involved in the debate either way. I can see why there are flexible, low-cost jobs that are, need low skill and flexible within, you know, people like students and people like that. At the same time, who, who begrudges anyone who wants certainty, a decent wage, and, you know, to do a tough job. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's interesting because be they have those two hats, you know, whatever they do. Yeah. But, but go back. So, yeah, so they... I think because they they report in dollars because they're a, a big they're a multi you know multinational company they lost seven hundred and eight million in twenty twenty one which is a lot of money except in the previous year they lost three billion. Oh, so actually so, doing quite well if they were on so, dragons yeah. then. <laughs> I think I want to, I want to live in a world where when I lose seven hundred I'm like oh I'm doing seven hundred million. Not bad. That's, That's not right, bad. That's not bad. It's going bad. But they are getting to a point where. Yeah. So yeah, in answer to your question, yes, COVID has been the problem where, yeah. you know, cinema attendance just plummeted and then yeah. they lost, I mean, they lost all their revenue. So they've lost their ticket sales and their advertising revenue, but they also still got a lot of their rent and maybe less staff because zero hour contracts, but you know, these, they have high overheads, so mm. they're carrying on and they're hoping it will ping back to as it was, but maybe it will, maybe it won't, but what they're accruing all this debt. So they, during the pandemic, they managed to get a million, sorry, a billion uh, oh. dollars of like financial support. And even at the time they said, this is probably not going to be enough. And oh, so their wow. credit rating is apparently out of a score of, of, of zero to 100. It's one. Mm. 
Oh, so, it's probably, probably mine is probably the same. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> I, I don't know who's, you know, it's, it's people who are buying and, and selling shares uh, are speculating. But the thing is that if they can get back to, they were doing well in their business. They're very good at what they do. They have lots of sites. So if they can hold on long enough and service the debts that are due in June and then at the end of next year, mm. then they can probably pick it back up again. But if they have any more hiccups, like another Delta variant or there was a case also they were they were in court uh, in Canada with a company called Cineplex where they were going to buy Cineplex and then in June 2020 as in yeah. mid pandemic they yeah. pulled out and so right. they Cineplex sued them the latest they had in towards the end of last year was that the judge uh, ruled in favor of Cineplex and said that Cine World have to pay 1.2 billion dollars oh and that they God. and Cine World said well we're not paying until we we do all the next appeals and stuff like that yeah. and yeah. so if they lose that continually they well, they'll be bankrupt. They'll be insolvent, and so they it, the whole thing might fall on this one case. Where if they can delay, even if they lose eventually, eventually, if they can snooze it long enough that they can get the machines back up and running, and cinema attendance goes back to what it was, or they mm-hmm. can use it to increase more ticket prices or whatever, then maybe they can carry on and, and keep the machine going. But at the same time, every month that goes on, they're having a very tough time. And yeah. You know, cinema attendances and, at the moment are about eight. Oh, sorry, yeah, go on. Well, yeah, no, that's what I was going to ask because it, I managed to get a nice big TV recently, and on my fancy TV, there are plenty of things that are on at the cinema, which maybe a week later it feels like I don't know if that's true, seem to be available to me on on my swanky TV, and so will I just stay and watch that with my stepson, and we'll have some nice pop homemade popcorn. And he's got his Batman cup now, so. <laughs> that's, that's good. You I know. thought you were asking whether you should open a cinema because you definitely should not open a cinema. Let me do that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, the TV's nearly big enough. No, but um, I mean, d- d- since the pandemic, are there lots of people that are the same and like, well, maybe we'll go and see that at the cinema as a treat. But if we can just see it on the telly, we'll probably just do that. Yeah, I mean, it could be because we're entering this really unusual phase. Well, not unusual. It's going to be normal. But it's a changing phase for what cinema going is. Yeah. Because for the first hundred years, it's the only place you could see a movie. And in many cases, then even when it went to VHS or TV, it was lower quality square. You know, it's the quality. Well, the experience wasn't the same. But like Mm. you're saying. Movies are become are coming quicker. They're in 4K, 5.1, all that stuff. And so, and we've also had a forced like year and a half of having to watch stuff on the TV. So we've got more used to it and younger audiences more used to it. But the thing is that what cinema going actually is, is not really about the movies. If it was, we'd have better movies. Uh, what it is, is that it's like, it's relatively low cost compared to like theater or sport or, you know, music or whatever. It's very, it's very... to catch up though, isn't it? It is. It's, yeah. But, the, but also you've got to remember the others are getting more expensive as well. The theater That's is very also... True. Yeah, That's so, very true. That's very true. Yeah. Um, cost of living hike and all that. Um, yeah. But yeah, so um, actually that's the cost of middle-class living hike. Let's, let's not pretend <laughs> that's the cost of living is that that is the theater. But yeah, so the, it's relatively low cost compared to other options. It's massively low effort because you can rock up or not. There's options, mm-hmm. you know, it's perfect for a load of social situations, whether it's like dates, not first dates. I went on a first date years ago to a very weird horror film and I was, I didn't like it, but I didn't know what to do. Like, do you walk out? Do you, do you say this is horrible or do you look over and they're sort of gleefully enjoying the terror? Not, so yeah, not the first date. Let's, let's after a first date, but it's, you know, for, for like dating or social situations or after work or group of mates or whatever, or kids who want to get out of the house. So it's actually quite low effort. 
and also now it can be quite fancy you know like we're talking about going to a picture house you go to a picture house oh. on every man and you get a nice red wine and nice comfy oh, sofa lovely. They, there's one in Berkhamsted where um near where my mum lives and you you get a cheese board with it <laughs> I mean that is my dream films and cheese yes please and, and some every, wine every man they do um baked cookie dough and I oh. remember reading that and asking them isn't that just a cookie and they were like yeah 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 but it's four pounds <laughs> well, I, I, I can't remember if it's exactly four pounds. I apologize, every man, if I've overpriced it. But it's definitely, when you start calling it baked cookie dough rather than cookie, you know you're wow. going to be overcharged. Wow. Can we do an episode where we're just talking about the, the how much people, the, the cinemas make with their different snacks? Yes, we can definitely I'm do that. Very, some I'm really very fun stuff about that. But, but yeah, so, so you've got cinema going changing, right? So you've probably got yes. these big blockbusters that are about, you must see it this weekend because it's on Twitter and it's big and it's famous and it's loud and it's, it's about the experience IMAX or whatever. And so that's probably mm. going to be fine, even with a short window to VOD because it's so short and things. And then you've got this increase in like more expensive boutique would you like a red wine brought to your table? It, you know, it's 25 pounds a ticket or whatever. And so that will appeal to older audiences, more art house audiences, yes. you know, richer, older people generally. And so what those, both those, both those things are about the experience of going to the cinema. They're not mm. really about the movie because you can see the right. movie effectively for free or completely for free on your TV if you wait long enough. And so whether it'll ping back to that, we're not sure yet. Um, older audiences have this extra issue that they were growing pre-pandemic. The audience for cinemas in the youngest demographic was getting sh- smaller and smaller. Still big, but smaller and smaller. And so yeah. there were more movies for older people. Those people have been more heavily hit by COVID. So right. they're coming back slower. My parents haven't gone back to the cinema yet. And so there is a lag there. But So who knows? I mean, if I could invest in the idea of cinema going, I think it's going to be fine. The buildings are there. They're not going to use them for anything else. We need to see movies socially. And it's, as I said, even if it's expensive, it's relatively low cost. But whether these chains and specifically Cineworld will still exist, who knows? Like it's no one knows for certain. And the people who are betting bigger are betting and hopefully making big bets that they can do very well in. But who knows? Yeah, interesting. I wonder what the cinema uh, experience and um, uh, success at the moment is like in uh, in Hungary, because I hear that Hungary's film industry is booming. Can you do what? Tell me, tell me about this. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. It's one of those examples where you uh, it shows how with a relatively small number, although very very important and hard to do changes, you can have a massive effect on uh, a sector. So, so yeah, what are they doing there? What sort um, when when it's hung, Hungary's film industry? Is it cinema? Is it the actual uh, you know the the amount of productions? What's what's happening there? Yeah, so it's when we talk about the the film industry, it's like you said, it's it's everything. It's including you know all the shops and things and iTunes and whatever. But what we're talking about here is not so much the cinema business because cinemas have to deal with whatever movies are being made and released like they can show old films but they basically have to deal with the supply they're given which is Mm -hmm. tough for a business hence perhaps any world struggling um but when this is about productions this is about making films Mm -hmm. which is where all the budget gets spent yeah and it's also two different things in the sense that there's local productions meaning within you know hungarian films by hungarian filmmakers 
Um, yeah. And in you know, and th- those have been booming. And also foreign productions coming over, like June and stuff like these huge movies. And so right. when you combine those two, like last year in 2021, they yeah. the total spend across all those movies was about 650 million dollars, which is huge, mm-hmm. and 30 percent higher than 2019. So. But that's one of the reasons. So they've done three things, and they've, it's fascinating how they've like very consciously done these things, which is one, they set up a, a tax on gambling for a national film fund. This and is Hungry, Hungry House. Hungry did this, yeah. So yeah, they, right. they're funding okay. their, inter- their own internal productions and stuff. And, uh, I mean, Victor Orban's just got back into power, and he's quite an autocratic leader. But because someone who's politically uh, affiliated with him and apparently a friend of his was put in charge of the film fund, Ironically, the film fund was free of having to be an arm of the state or propaganda in any meaningful sense. So funnily enough, because they had the autocrats mate in charge, they could make the movies they wanted to make. And so they made all these great films and a couple of them went on to do well at the Oscars. And and so like, it's funny, the autocrat's friend meant that the autocrat was left them alone. And so... Yeah, um, but anyway, th- unfortunately, that guy Andy Viner, he he passed away a couple of years ago, and so there was this concern about who would take over. But fortunately, it's part of the way it's structured. They're still funding films based on arguably merit and artistic merit, and rather than uh-huh. becoming just a proper cannabis. So, so that's the first bit. So there's the fund from the tax, right. which is awesome. Then they've got this tax rebate, which is fairly common. A lot of countries and some regions have this thing where if you spend you know, a hundred, hundred pounds in, in a certain country, uh, making a film, they'll give you back a certain percentage. So in the UK, it's about 20%. It's, it works out to be a bit less, but if, if you spend a hundred million in the UK, the UK government give you back 20 million. I had no idea about this. Mm-hmm. The UK, okay. and that's why the UK is the biggest in Europe for production. Hungary is now number two. Is it? Is I impressive. didn't know that. That's incredible. Well, that's why all these stuff, you know, when people talk about British films, it does include like the really gritty social realism and, it, and, uh-huh. and Johnny English and moving up the scale, but also Star Wars. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of the Marvel okay. films are British movies. Um, right. But it, and, but that's the, that they have a very, very generous tax system. So it's about 35%. It, it's always, whenever anyone quotes like these tax figures, they always say, well, about a kind of, and it's not because we don't know. It's because each pound might be allocated differently depending on what it is. Some things are excluded, excluded. But just over a third of what you spend on a movie in Hungary, you can reasonably expect to get back um, like in cash effectively. And so, but yeah, it's fascinating why they do this because they they do it partly for economic reasons because every pound you spend here in the UK, for example, it goes on someone's wages and they spend it on their mortgage or the shops and there's tax and income tax. And so there's a multiplier effect of four or five times. So there's an economic reason to, and as you can see from Hungary. Um, and then there's also the artistic stuff of, of, you know, you can get films made about your culture and about your, your, um, you know, your history. And then also uh-huh. there's, it's an advert. I mean, I don't know whether these films, I don't know whether June is much of an advert for, for Hungary, but um, the idea being that, you know, Harry Potter has caused so much tourism to the UK that if we yes. support British films. And so, I mean, they, as I said, less so for Hungary because Budapest is often used to double for almost every European city. And the uh-huh. way Toronto is, is often for New York. Um, and, uh, and a lot of it's in sound stages on green screens. And so you wouldn't know okay. what it, I mean, you know. Um, but so, yeah, the tax rebate has been huge and seems to have political support and seems to be going around for a while. And so that creates, it's been going for about 10 years. So 
you've got lots of studios and crew and you know the, there's a whole system they sort out how to get permits quite quickly and but then this third thing is fascinating because it's those two things are long term because you have to have a lot of political support right. and it's very expensive but it can have a very beneficial effect in the long term and they've both taken about 10 years but right. the more recent one is they were very quick to respond to covid within the film industry Actually, I don't oh. know how hungry he was as a nation outside of that, but they just, they were just on it. And so all these productions that still wanted so to what, shoot. Yeah. yeah, so they, they just got They the were protocols. still allowed to. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, during most of COVID, people were filming in the UK. I mean, uh, Mission Impossible 7 was filming here for a while. And there yeah. was that story that leaked audio of Tom Cruise furiously shouting at his crew uh, because yeah, they were breaking yeah. COVID rules. And yeah. the thing is, although obviously the way he did it and some of the words he used were not not what he should have said. He was fundamentally right because he was saying, look, we're proving, we're not only are we employing everybody here, but we're proving to Hollywood you can still film during COVID, but we have right. to get it right. And so, you know, these these studios, they know that COVID will, a pandemic is is not quite a blip, but it's not quite, it's only a few years for the studios and they need to have decades worth of content, a pipeline of content. So they right. wanted to be filming during the height of the pandemic. And so when uh, when Hungary said, look, we'll give you this tax rebate and plus we're one of the first people to really get on this. We know how to shoot safely. Here are the protocols. Here are the jobs. What else do we need to do? It just made it much more attractive. And so suddenly all these productions who they don't really care where they go, really, mm -hmm. because they, mm -hmm. I mean, I know when they were making the Star Wars trilogy, the first one, JJ, not the first trilogy, the more recent trilogy, but the first of those films, JJ Abrams said to Disney, look, I don't want to go to the UK. My kids just got into school. I don't want to relocate for a couple of years to make this film. And Disney said, tough. <laughs> we get so much money back from the UK government. We've got all the studios and the crew and the equipment. We're making this. So arguably the location of the filming was more important than the superstar, hugely talented director. Yeah. Because like, it's just, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars over a few films. And so when Hungary was like, well, look, we'll give you 35% of your money back. We've got great crews, we've got great studios, yeah. and we're on top of this COVID thing. A lot of the studios and other productions just went, well, great, let's, let's go there. And so that Well done, Hungary. That's incredible. Yeah. And I mean, who knows what will happen in the future? There's there's nothing like, it seems to be stable. If, if they can keep the tax credit going, if they can keep the crews being trained and the pipeline of people, then that would be awesome. Yeah. I think, you know... Whether there'll be political will to keep spending this much money, we'll have to see. Mm -hmm. Also, continual high-level growth could be a real problem. The skills we got a skills shortage in the UK in the film industry, and so, and a mental health crisis as well. People are working six. You know, if you're being paid more, that's great. But if you're working sixteen hours a day, six seven days a week, and no break, you're gonna. Yeah. It's incredibly draining on you, but also your family. If you're driving home after a long day's filming, that's dangerous. So. There may well be a, a strain over time. And then, I mean, I hate to bring it up, but like, who knows what the war in Ukraine will do? And I mean, there's maybe refugees. It may be that there's a general fear of general fear, you know, in the area. Also, right. we don't know what Russia is going to do next and Chernobyl and all that stuff. So who knows what the environment will be? But it's that scale of stuff which needs to derail Hungary. Whereas if they just... If they're nothing, they don't have a crisis because of Ukraine and they keep the political will, seeing as Orbán uh -huh. just got in power and he seems to be in favor of it, that doesn't seem to be a problem. Then to be, and they deal with hiring people, this could go on for a very long time and be a critical part of their cultural landscape. I think that's incredible. Wow, yeah. wow, wow. I had, I mean, I didn't, 
when I think of uh, filmmaking and film industries and things like that, I didn't even, I mean, poor Hungary didn't even pop into my brain <laughs> and they're winning at it. Um, so I love this. I love this story um, just because I love a good theme park. And I I was uh, talking to someone the other day. I've never been to Disneyland. I've been to Disney, uh, Euro Disney, but uh, and I've been to Harry Potter World because I'm a massive Harry Potter fan. Um, but so there's uh, the London Resort. Have you heard of this? A theme park which was built as the UK's answer to Disneyland has suddenly withdrawn its planning application. Uh, first of all, what what would it have included there? Do we know, and why? Why has it suddenly withdrawn its planning application? Um, and uh, yeah, tell me all about it. I want to know. Yeah, you want to go, basically. That's what it I is. I want to go. Yeah, sorry, I don't want to. You want to know go. where to queue <laughs> I up? Go. Why, why yeah, wouldn't you take my money? I'm ready. I'm so yeah. ready. <laughs> well, unfortunately, it's got to do with environmental concerns and free ports and taxes. So, you, it, the answer that you actually want, which is, when can I book a, for a family of four, and, and, and can, do I get an early bird discount? And will is, it be? Will it be cheaper than Cineworld? Yes. <laughs> Well, you know, it was going to be huge, uh, and it still might happen. The, the, the company behind it, uh, LRCH, as you said, they still say it's going to happen, but there have been a couple of things that have kind of derailed it. So what it was was this brand-new theme park that they said was going to be – they said it's going to be a, a, the size of 136 Wembley stadiums, which is <gasps> cute, but what? I don't know – But can you picture that? Because room for that anywhere? Well, not in Wembley, certainly. No. But, well, this was the point was they found this land and they described it as brownfield. And like, they were like, oh, we're going to regenerate this brownfield contaminated site was what they said. And Where was this? Whereabouts? This is in Kent. Um, and so this is near because so, the, yeah, this is in Kent. And so the Garden of England. Exactly. The, the Swanscombe Peninsula. Um, I think it was. So basically they said, we're going to find we found this brownfield contaminated site and we're going to clean it up. And a lot of the environmental people went, well, I don't think so. There's like 3,000 species there. Um, oh. And so they basically had two like unconnected prob- unconnected problems that both came from different arms of the government. So one was people like CPRE Kent, which is the campaign to protect rural England, uh, were saying, yeah. look, there's loads of species here. This is a thriving ecosystem and you're going to destroy it. And Natural England basically agreed and said they so they designated the Swanscombe Peninsula as a site of special a site of special scientific interest. Which the initial oh. is SSSI, and I don't know if you say triple SI or whether you say SSSI, but I can't finish that without SSSI. You see other professionals. But yeah, so they can't build there, so that's a problem. But then also, just to add to their woes, was that there's a nearby there's a port in Tilbury which has been designated a free port. Now that sounds lovely, free port. What it means is they Mm -hmm. can keep stuff for rich people and not pay tax on it, so it's less exciting. So basically, like if you're if you're really rich, as I as I know you are, Jess. So when you're working out what to do with your monies, I mean, so it's embarrassing. You should see everyone. You should see me at Cineworld Palace. Yeah, I can buy she can three, three, three large popcorns. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah. So that if you've got all of this stuff, you don't want to pay tax on. If you're technically moving it between countries, then you don't pay tax on it. And so, if you designate somewhere a free port, it can stay there just in transit temporarily. But really, it's in a vault, um, and you don't pay tax on it. And so, Tilsbury uh, had this designation from the government of like, okay, it's a free port, which will help Tilsbury and it'll bring more money in and all that sort of stuff. But it meant that then the, they have to move the ferry terminal, which then caused the problem for Disneyland of Kent. Um, mm. So officially, 
they've said, well, actually, when, when all this happened, it actually happened December last year, they asked for more time. They said, oh, well, our application, can we have a little bit more time? Maybe June or July, we'll get back to you. And then more recently, the thing at recent in the news last week was that they went, um, maybe the end of the year, we'll, we'll, we'll withdraw the application for now. We'll get back to you. So they're still saying it'll happen. And they're still right. saying that it'll happen by 2020, uh, 2038. So I don't know if you're going to start queuing Will now? I still I be alive? <laughs> With all your money, Jess, you should be fine. Um, but yeah, so it's a long. So these are huge projects. But you can imagine, like the scale of this. Like once they get it up and running, it could make so much money that. Yeet! <laughs> they're doing it as fast as they can, Jess. I mean, Aww. come on! They've had to move a ferry terminal. They've got all of the species. They got the decam- de- de- uh, contamination I'm to tuffled. do. Sorry, was that your holiday plan for 2024? Yeah, then? I wanted to go next year. I have to just go to Harry Potter World again. Oh, <laughs> hardship, hardship. <laughs> uh, um, oh, okay. Final story for this week. Netflix, my best friend, has put its prices up in the UK for the second time in 18 months. Why are they doing this to us? Because <laughs> they've seen how much the cinemas charge. Uh, well, no, I mean it's so interesting, isn't it? Because like, how much should they charge? Is a they they are they have a few rivals, and I'm sure we'll talk about them in a minute. But fundamentally, mm-hmm. this is a new type of thing, right? Streamed mm-hmm. movies has last ten years or so, and so whether it should cost what cable TV costs, which was you know Skybox office, I remember it being thirty pounds something a month package, or whether it should be super cheap or not, like it should be a utility or effectively, you know, we used to pay for text messages and we don't anymore. Um, I, do you remember like every time you had to send a message to someone, ten pence? Not, that, not like that anymore. Yeah. But um, that used but yeah, to so- be a Fredo frog. <laughs> not anymore. They're about a quid. <laughs> but, but you see what I mean? Like it's yeah. like. The thing is that what is something worth is what people are willing to pay. And one of the things that Netflix and their other rivals have done to try and establish the market super quickly, as in mm-hmm. a decade to establish a whole new marketplace is huge, is they went in super cheap. And so they came in, uh, you know, under, I think when they first launched here, it was something like £5 a month. And £5 a month is nothing for the volume of content. When you think about each of those individual bits of content would might have been sold on DVD for £13. Or you might buy a premium cinema yes. ticket for fifteen. So, what is it now then? Well, so they've got they've got a number of tiers, but the cheapest oh. one is about seven pounds a month, and the yeah. most expensive one which you can watch in four K and four devices and stuff is about sixteen pounds a month. So I don't know which one I'm on, but I know that I've got five profiles which I share between my mom and my. Am I allowed to say this? What if they kill me? Um, <laughs> My mum's this- got one, my husband and I, my, my stepson's got one, his sister in Sweden's got if one. If any of you podcast listeners would like a login to Jess's Netflix account, sure. just let yeah, us know. Just- <laughs> Her password is know. loads of money. Yeah. Loads of money. And there's um, you probably will get like 98% on Real Housewives. <laughs> okay, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> you, you, didn't, you weren't selling sight. it to me. Yeah. <laughs> but it, but that's interesting as well because that's you know it's an open we're joking but it's an open secret people share passwords and accounts and stuff and that's great for Netflix because like it makes you much much less likely to cancel because you're going to have to explain to your mum why she can't watch Downton Abbey and you're not mm, going to I'm more popular with friends exactly you become much more popular and we get more podcast listeners as we get the you know more people on on Netflix, your Netflix yeah account. jump on everyone yeah but on the <laughs> other hand it's the studios that are losing income as well and and so they've recently said they'll crack down on that but we'll we'll see if they do but they, basically this is an evolving market so it was invented and then it boomed and everyone there was this race for subscribers but something like half of all the households in the UK have a Netflix subscription and yeah. so the other half 
you, you can imagine many people don't want it, can't afford it, don't have the technology or whatever. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the growth has massively sh- you know, slowed down. And so the next 10 years, when you look ahead, where is the kind of growth going to come from? Well, you've got increased competition from other platforms. Not now not TV, only- though. That's rubbish. You can't have more than one profile on that. I'm so angry. <laughs> you, and also, if you want to, this is just a rant about now TV. If you buy a new phone or a new device, you have to deauthorize another one, but you only do one a month. And so I've had to restore my computer. I don't know. But, but, but you, now TV is fascinating because it is the example of like that's come from Sky in the UK. And so that's TV moving into vod video on demand whereas right. netflix is now almost doing the reverse and so yes. there was a there was a joke and this is this is the level of jokes in the film industry there was a joke in the film industry a few years ago that when game of thrones was doing well and, and trying to create hbo max um and also netflix was trying to create its own content that netflix was trying to become hbo before hbo could become netflix yeah right yeah joke. okay but the it. point but the, here's the point the point is that they're trying to each do their each other's business model so netflix is trying to beat what TV was, you know, like HBO content and stuff. And Uh so they've happened to change now from just getting more subscribers to charging people more and make their own exclusive content. So you can't get Squid Game anywhere else. You can't get it legally anywhere else other than on Netflix. And also then you have to, like, if you want it on more devices, if they're going to crack down on passwords, then you have to be the one that can, like, yeah, you have to do it on their platform. So, so yeah, so it, basically that's where their growth is going to come from. And so one of the ways is to increase the, the cost. But like, should it cost, how much do you think it should cost when you think about you have unlimited movies, but maybe never watch any? Like what should unlimited movies cost you on what, any, whatever platform you're on? Well, now. Honestly, I'm, now. <laughs> well, now BritBox is gone. I've taken that off. I'll just do Amazon Prime, but I do need my Hulu so I can get the rest of the housewives. Let's say £15 and one extra profile. <laughs> final, final offer. If Netflix can get back to us. But, but, you, but here's, here's the thing, right? Let's say that everyone now, in the past, like you could have one subscription. Netflix would do a lot of the job. But now you've got to have Disney+, Plus. you've got to have Prime, you've got to have Apple. And all these other ones. So My maybe you wants Disney Plus for his birthday, a Disney Plus subscription. How much is that going to cost? Nothing if you get a friend to share the password with you. Stephen, do you have Yeah. One? Oh, brilliant. <laughs> okay. So I've just got your steps on a birthday present. That's good. Yay. I'm glad I got to take that one off. But yeah, but like, imagine that you subscribe to all these services. It could add up. You could be spending £50 a month on content you can't possibly watch. But each one has got, like, one's got The Mandalorian you want to watch. You know, yeah. one of them's got Squid Game or whatever. And one's got mm. desperate, desperate viewers of Housewives, whatever it's called. Uh, <laughs> That's me. But, <laughs> That's my spin-off, though. Yeah, exactly. But you've got all of these different ones together. And so it adds up. And so people are going to start to rationalize. You know, when it was £5 to just get Netflix, why wouldn't you? You can almost subscribe and forget. But if, yeah. it, ad- but if it adds up to, like, being a lot of money, or especially when we hear a lot in the news about the cost of living crisis and energy bills mm-hmm. doubling, mm-hmm. people are going to start saying, well, hold on, what did I actually watch over the last couple of years, a couple of weeks or months? And yeah. that's why everyone's rushing to make the next big squid game or uh, yeah. Stranger Things or whatever. Because if you're like, well, it is £16 a month, but I do get this particular show. And HBO saw a massive number of people cancelling in America when Game of Thrones finished. Not just because oh, the really? fantasy was awful, but because everyone was like, well, that was the only reason I was subscribed and now I'm off. So yeah, yeah. they have that fear. And I remember it was a couple of years ago. I don't remember the exact date, but there was a point when Netflix said in one of their earnings reports, 
our, they used a different phrase, but they basically said, mm. our model is going to be in future creating this hit content, not just growing. And their stock price fell massively because all the investors went, oh, so you have to fundamentally do what everyone else does, which is you have to suddenly be able to make amazing stuff everybody mm. wants. That sounds really risky. It's what everyone else is trying to do. Uh-huh. Whereas before you were trying to be more of a utility, like you just, everyone has it and it's available. And so they're shifting. They're shifting from just grow, 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 grow to get better, make more money, compete. And the, the marketplace is more cluttered and it's mm. just messier. So, but when they did raise their prices, when they said they're not going to raise their prices, which was yeah. a pound for the, some of the plans and two pounds for the others, their stock right. price rose slightly by about three or 4%. So fundamentally, investors seem to broadly agree that their growth is going to come from increased prices. And so long as people don't suddenly cancel loads, this will be maybe even an annual thing. I don't, I don't know how often, but once they realize they can keep doing this, especially if inflation continues to get out of control, you're going to see this a lot more. Oh, wowie woo wah. I mean, what I've gleaned from this, uh, really, the lesson that I have taken is there's just no point in me cashing, uh, you know, splashing out for my gym membership. Just not going to be able to afford it. No point. I... I've got a lot of sofa hours to get in, and it's just well, you, another all that money you're saving not, not to going worry. To, you're not going to the Disney World of Kent, so that no. will save you a lot of money. All Gutted. the travel, yeah. yeah. But you, so you can put that all on Netflix now. Yeah, and let's not even mention the gym. <laughs> I think I need, I need a new household budget. If you could help me with that, that's a different podcast. If only you go. knew some desperate housewives that you could learn from, or real housewives, <gasps> whichever one yes. you're watching. Yes, yes. Does anyone want to make Desperate Housewives of Brighton? Because that's me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Oh, thank you so much, Stephen. That was really, really fun. And um, thank you to you guys for listening. If you like Show Me The Money, then would you please give it a follow in your podcast app and leave us a five-star review, please, if you have time. Um, If you didn't like it, just go away. Um, and uh, if you have a question that you'd like answered on the show, not by me, I may add, unless it's about something trashy, um, email us at showmethemoneypod at gmail.com. That's showmethemoneypod at gmail.com. Thank you, everybody. Let's all live happily ever after until the next time. Uh, it's goodbye from me, Jess, and it's goodbye from the wonderful Stephen Follows. Goodbye, and do send us trashy questions for Jess. I feel like that should be a bonus (laughs) segment. Please do send them. Bye, everyone. Bye.